Hey, Fungo Banter fans, back with another episode of your Pacific Northwest Fungo Banter Talk podcast. I'm Eric Sorensen here in Big Country Studios, still located in Ellensburg, Washington. Really excited to bring on the guest today, Brian Green, head coach at Washington State University, and coaches in his first season there. Pretty excited about this interview. We talk a lot about hitting, talk a lot about culture and uh, building your culture within your program. And he correlates some things back to high school the seasons as well. It's a lot of great information. Pretty excited to hear about Coach and what he's doing there at Washington State. Super exciting episode. We even touched a little bit on the project back to Omaha and their facility upgrade there in Pullman. So without further ado, let's bring on Jason, bring on Kelly. Let's bring on Coach. All right, Fungo Banter fans, we're back. Guest of this episode, super excited to have him on, Coach Brian Green from Washington State University. Coach, thank you for joining us, and welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having us. Uh, any opportunity we can get on and talk about the Cougs, uh, we're going to take advantage of it in these times, and uh, we really appreciate you uh, bringing us on. Much appreciated. Absolutely. Well, first hard-hitting question right away, what's your favorite Fungo? Well, don't tell Easton this because it's the best bat on the market, but right. uh, I do like that extended uh, 60, 65 inch black SSK with a tan handle. That was always my favorite. Uh, with the with short arms, that gave me a little leg. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's you know that, that was part of the fun when we made the name of this. Like the fungo is the most important part, of, like the coach, right? It's, it's your that's your tool right there. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so talk us through your path in coaching and and what led you to Washington State. Wow. Um, well, you know, I think leading myself to Washington State was just a dream. Uh, you know, it's the goal uh, starting out when I was a junior college player at Riverside Community College. Remember working a camp and remembering how excited I was about just teaching, hitting in these three little stations of just regurgitating something that I'd heard from a coach. And uh, so I always knew I wanted a coach and um, just really fortunate. Played for Dennis Rogers, who was just inducted into the ABC Hall of Fame, uh, then played for Gary Henderson which we crossed paths twice uh, moving forward there. And then uh, ended up playing for Elliott Avon, my senior year at New Mexico State, which ended up being my first Division One head job. But uh, when I got done playing, uh, Elliott Avent, um, just given my background, I was very fortunate. He just said, hey, you were with Dennis Rogers. You get the infielders next year as a student assistant if you want it. Um, different times back then in 95, so I was pumped, took that opportunity as a student assistant. Then went to Riverside Community College for one year. Uh, Went to Cal Poly Pomona for two years and just went from free, no no pay to no pay, maybe doing a little laundry to a part-time Division II uh, paycheck at Cal Poly Pomona. And then uh, then after two years there, I moved to Chapman University Division Three for two years. Um, went to We had a really good run there. We were 37-3 one year, and then we were a College World Series team the next. Um, and at 30 years of age, I got my, my first big break. Uh, from Coach Case at Oregon State. He offered me the uh, volunteer opportunity. I remember to the day, it's actually a funny story. We as coaches, these are all things that we share. But uh, I remember when I got off the phone with Coach Case, and my wife and I had talked about it. We had, I had flown up and and uh, and looked at Corvallis and met with Coach Case. But I got the phone call and got offered the job and um, got off the phone and told my wife, Becky, all about it. I said, honey, I just got offered the job at Oregon State. Oh, my God. What? I said, yeah. And she said, okay, well, so how much time do they need? And I said, well, I took it. She said, okay, well, um, okay, Brian. Okay, you took it. That's fine. It's awesome. It's a pack, it's pack 10. When do we have to leave? I said, we got to leave ASAP. And she goes, okay, well, what's the pay? And I said, well, it's uh, there is no pay. I'm the volunteer, so you're going to have to get a job. And uh, I got to leave tomorrow, but I love you. <laughs> and, uh, 
<laughs> and we all have those stories as coaches, right? We just do. Um, that was on my wife's birthday, if you can believe that. But, uh, but that was a massive break. I got to come up, work with Case. Gary Henderson was our pitching coach. That was the connection. Dan Spencer was the other coach. Um, was there for one year as a volley. And then uh, Rich Hill called. And I got uh, his hitting coach job at the University of San Diego. We won the league. We led the league in hitting. And then Mike Trapasso called. And uh, I got to go to Hawaii for two years as their hitting coach and coach third. And then we crossed paths with uh, some recruiting with UCLA and coach Savage called. And uh, I got to be there for four years. And then uh, Gary Henderson got the head job at at, uh, Kentucky. So then he called and moved on to the SEC. And that uh, early into my 40s, I wanted to really be a head coach. New Mexico State, my own mater opened up. I beat down the door and tried as hard as I could to get the opportunity and got it. And um, Five years later, I'm I'm going recruiting on a Tuesday uh, to fix, and the Kooks called and said, "Would you have interest?" I mean, you know, my knees buckled, and um, I, of course. And um, next, a day later, I'm on a plane, and a day later, we're uh, we're interviewing for the job, and a day later, I'm the Kook head coach, and it was just I was still pinching myself. You know, I've been up here a couple times um, with uh, with the Beavs, and then with UCLA, and I love college towns. Obviously, if you grow up on the West Coast like I did, I grew up in Temecula in Southern California. We all want to be head coaches or coaches in the pack. So it's a dream come true. And it's a great opportunity because it's, it's been down recently. So it's a great opportunity to pick it up. And obviously, I'm walking in a golden time with the facility and new leadership, the administration. Um, things, are, things are going well, and I'm, and I'm really cognizant of that. So I don't take one minute for granted. That's great, Coach. Uh- Tell us a little bit about uh, how important each stop along the way of your career has been pivotal to your success of coming and obtaining this new head position here at uh, WSU. Well, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I wish, I wish I would have got that question um, or somebody would have planted that into my head uh, when I was 23 years old, that'd be with the greatest advice I could give to anybody now that I'm just, you know, an old fart in this profession in a sense. But, um, I've been able to, uh, and Gary Henderson was a really big, big influencer on my life. So was Dennis Rogers. Those were two guys that I played with and then ended up coaching with. But they, uh, they, they, they gave me that early. And the, the most important thing, message that, that I was given was, number one, we're all replaceable. Understand that. So it is our responsibility to provide value to the, to the university and the institution. But, you know, I'm a positive guy. It's one of our core values. It's, it's one of our team rules. We have three of them. Uh, so for me, even at a young age, I, I had a sense of trying to grab something from somebody. And I think it's just because I was able to play for some really good coaches. But, um, you know, Brian Green at Washington State um, took some big learning lessons uh, while I was the head coach at New Mexico State. And then when I got my first head coaching opportunity, I mean, there was Dennis Rogers and John Savage and Gary Henderson and Rich Hill. I mean, it was, it was a piece of all of them. And for me, I've just always taken, for the most part, the things that work really well for me. And I, I think one of the things that was really important to me when I got my first head coaching opportunity was all the things that 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 made me uncomfortable as an assistant, um, which we all do. We're, we're just different, you know. And that's why I'm so into family as a staff, and, and even make my hires based make our hires based on that uh, being close. Um, but in, in that sense of the question, I just think it's critical that if something's not right or you learn from it and you get an opportunity to fix it, then it's your responsibility in life to fix it or to make sure that that doesn't happen again. So all the things that, that made me a little uncomfortable or that I learned from, 
whether it be my mistakes or, or something culturally amongst the staff. Uh, I've really tried to address that on the front end as a head coach. And, uh, and, and so far, so good. We, we've got an unbelievable feel as a staff. Um, I think most people know that I just brought the entire staff from New Mexico State to Washington State. And it was a great feeling talking about family and loyalty and then exemplifying that. You see a lot of mid-major coaches, who, they, they get a, a bigger job and now all of a sudden they're, they're going to go get a bigger guy. Well, the way I look at it is all my successes have been for the people I've worked for. Um, and the successes are the opportunity at, New, at Washington State. We won a couple championships at New Mexico State, so therefore we all earned the opportunity to come up here. And so we're all here, and it's it's a lot of fun. Coach, I love I love just hearing you talk and, and the use of us and we and and no me's eyes and those things. It's it's great stuff that that we've tried to carry on ourselves at at where we do. But I think the biggest thing that that I've found with with having good people around you is just that communication piece to be able to, as baseball guys, we're very outspoken. We want to say things when we can and, and not feel like there's any barriers for communication. Um, and, and if something's not right, or if there's a better way to do it, I think everyone feels like they're a collective part of things and, and are able to use their voice at, at any point in time to, to go for the greater good. You know, and I think that's, that's probably one of the reasons why you, you've held on to that group of people is that you trust each other and uh, being able to have that dialogue on a day-to-day basis. Well, Kelly, that's, um, we really work. I believe in really working at it. Um, I saw kind of a piece of it when I was with um, coach Savage at UCLA and I thought it was really cool, but we went, um, we went into a hotel in seal beach, you know, in the middle of the summer or late summer, uh, we were a quarter system school, but we would go in there and we had a little couple day retreat and then coach would take us all out wide. And we go to an awesome seafood dinner in seal beach and we all kind of live down there. So, um, we did that for a couple of years. So I took that to New Mexico state and tried to build on it a little bit without any resources and then, um, fundraise enough for it. But, but coach getting to what you said, um, I just think working at that is so important. I think we all were, we'll probably touch on culture and, and, you know, transforming it, building it. Um, and experiencing it. It's got to start with your coaching staff. So for us, I mean, a huge piece of what I do and what we do is our coaching staff retreat. That's a, it's a really big deal. Um, we work during the day uh, and then at night with our wives, uh, fiancés, girlfriends, and, and everybody's in, the whole staff is there. We're going out, we're having drinks uh, and we're, we're talking the game, but more important, we're just, we're becoming the best friends that we can possibly be. And then rewinding that a little bit, I just, I've got a guy in my corner named Jerry Lujan with elevation 180. He's a, he's a Y training expert and he's into the Colby and he's into the psych part of things. And he's into really just leadership, winning and excellence. And, and he's taught me a big thing and that's about your staff. And we actually do personality index assessments uh, in the, in the hiring process just to make sure that we could all kind of fit together. And I know it's a little over the top, but, you know, all of us think about where we've had our greatest successes. We can always go, best staff I ever worked with was this, and that was my greatest experience, and typically you win there. Um, and at the same time, when the staffs are a mess or broken up, you, you don't win because the players go that way. So um, we, we place, and I place heavy stock on alignment um, into puzzle placement, and, but it's got to start with loyalty, trust, integrity, and, and people first. And then skill second, that's for coaching and players. I mean, 
I heard Coach Schlossinger say that a couple years ago at the convention. It was one of the first things he said when he got on stage. And he just said, uh, hey, non-negotiables are, are trust, loyalty, integrity with your coaches. Those are non-negotiables. We don't even get to the next part about considering you to be on the staff um, until those are in place. And, and that stuck with me because I really – that's something I believe in. Um, and that's what I believe. So um, place the emphasis on that and then place the emphasis on working on it with here we go. We're going to have a coaching staff retreat. Uh, I'm going to make sure you have uh, a vacation. I'm going to make sure that I do a good job with a Christmas party and just make those, let those guys know how much they mean to, to me and us because we do, because we're all valuable. Um, that's how we live it. And I think it's really important as a coach, you, you got to work at it because it's so easy to get, we all get into ourselves because the press, you know, pressure gets there, but man, we're all in this thing together. So I'm really glad you said that because I, I think it's the most important pivotal piece of, of the program build is that. Right. And, and I think the, there's always going to be the breakdowns, right? You're going to lose a series. You might get swept in a series. Uh, you might have a, a former All-American that's over his last 12. And, you know, I think it's really easy to hit panic button and start pointing fingers and, and, and looking at faults and when things aren't going right. But if you're able to kind of fall back into place on, on those pillars and, and just trust the process, it's so much easier to search for the truth if, if you can work together through a, a, an issue rather than trying to take on everything yourself or, or have the hitting coach take it on all himself. And, and, and yeah, that ju it just works so much better when, okay, here's the problem. Let's address it as a group and, and be better for it in the long run. Yeah. I think the, the big part for me that you said there that, that we try to put place emphasis on that I try to place emphasis on within the staff is this, and particularly if we lose uh, or if we've had a rough patch, that's the most important time where you got to be together. Um, you lose a game, uh, you know, bad staffs, when you lose a game, you know, everybody goes that way and, and you know, and, and it's all the, the silos and those types of things. But I, I think it's more important whenever there's adversity. I mean, team relieves pressure. We've heard that, that statement before. But I just think and how we do it is if we've had a rough patch, practice or game, um, I just make sure and we make sure that we're all together there. And literally like, OK, hey, we're going to the office and uh, we're going to sit back. We're going to order some pizzas and we're just going to break it down and, and decompress and debrief. Uh, before it moves out of there and, and but what you said is so important it's we're all in this thing together and you know oh sorry coach I was gonna say the other thing to add to that you know I like what you're saying there is is the accountability you know to the you know and and, and you're talking about challenging each other to grow is like what's killing you saying there you know when you you set yourself saying that you're accountable to those around you man you're going to grow as an individual, but yeah, and then your staff grows, you know, and that's cool. Yeah. Thank you. And, and yeah, I just, I just think it's so important, you know, and that starts again with the, I just think it goes back to, I think the most important thing, which we're very fortunate as baseball coaches or people in athletics is, you know, in a sense, we get to pick our teams from the coaching staff perspective, you know, it can be more challenging in administration or in business, you know, turnarounds can, it takes longer. Uh, because you can't necessarily get your leadership team in place. And so I mean, that's what we are as coaches is a leadership team. So um, I just think it comes back to getting good people. You get good people, then accountability is going to be up. Awareness will be great. Respect will be there. If you have those things, then obviously we, we can kind of avoid those those issues or, or time bombs that are ticking. So um, it's a great point. I'm glad you guys brought it up because it's just – I think it's everything. Absolutely, Coach. And, you know, we're going we're gonna to go into our uh... – Fungo banter topic subjects uh, that we still haven't 
have a good name for the subject yet. So let us know if you have a good one. But uh, right. so, you know, let's let's roll into the offensive side of things and talk about some of the absolutes that you that have worked for you, whether it's in, you know, the mechanics or hitting or just the overall offense and how to run things. Yeah, I think, well, I think it, it starts with, you know, broad defined and everything that we do, but literally just going from broad, I think is really important. You've got to have some flexibility in what you do offensively and what we do offensively. For example, at New Mexico State last year, uh, we had a much different fall than we had at Washington State this year. It was much different. Um, New Mexico State, I didn't need to spend a month with Nick Gonzalez and Joey Ortiz, Peterson, Carranza. I mean, we had a bunch of returners, uh, so I didn't need to break the swing down. So we were getting right into our drills. We had a lot of experience. But I think from a from the, the absolute perspective, there's three things that you got to be accountable for as a hitting coach, and, and all three are as, are as equally important or it becomes what's important to you or what's your park like or what's your players like. So for us, obviously mechanics, offensive approach, and the mental game. And those aren't in thirds. Those are just three things that you have to become excellent in. And then I just think it becomes where do you start and, and where do you do you place value on for us? Uh, Washington State in year one with us, uh, the mental game and the mechanics were, were our priority areas uh, in the fall. And then approach was third. Uh, and, and not to say approach isn't important because approach is the, is the most important thing where you get chewed up in the fall with your pitchers. Uh, however, we, we had to get the mechanic package down the, the way that I wanted to sling so we could get on board with, with understanding what to do and how to do the drills. Um, so with mechanics, you know, you've got your four absolutes of the swing and then underneath mechanics as well. Uh, those are your drills. And, and I think you've got to be really stingy with those if they provide value to you, you know, for us, um, rhythm and separation are massive pieces to our stride. And so rhythm stride separation, we spend a lot of time on that with drill work. The launch position is a lot of video stuff, uh, working from the ground up. So critical to, to make that clutch rhythm work with your feet, but just making sure that we're working from the ground up and then obviously staying connected with rotation. Those are our four keys of mechanics. Obviously they're broken down, but those are our four keys. And then from there, you just take, if that's really important to you, which it is for me mechanically, now what drills are going to emphasize that? And then over time, if your kids basically shut their eyes and go to work on those for six weeks, they're going to open them and be better. And that's why I think drills are so important. But you got to mandate the drills. So for us, when it comes to drills, I think the, the best thing that I could say is take your time, <clears throat> demonstrate them, and demand them. If, if, it's, if it's a specific movement, uh, then, then you've got to coach it and you've got to coach it hard to make sure uh, that they're doing it right. So uh, mechanics and drills is where it starts. Uh, one pitch at a time, the mental game, those are readings off of the field or before practice. Uh, and then approach for me is always late into the fall or beginning into the spring. Um, and then as you get an experienced group, it starts to roll over because the approach isn't going to change. When it comes to approach, I can tell you that th there's two primary large things that, that, that we believe in, that I believe in. Um, number one is a stock offensive approach, just basically meaning what are we doing with no strikes? What are we doing in middle counts? And what are we doing with two strikes? And then it moves into categorizing pitchers. And I think that, that going into the high school level or lower levels, I think if you as a hitting coach, make sure you guys can understand there's basically three types of pitchers that you're going to face. Um, basically a power guy, no matter what the level is, basically a mixer, no matter what the level is, or some version of a specialist with a funky arm or a same side where there may be a box adjustment. Um, 
And then with that under that, that umbrella is the understanding of, of how you're going to hit with, with runners in scoring position, because at the, at the end of the day for us, as we know, as college coaches or high school coaches, we're not scheming against the guy in the mound. We're scheming against the guy in the dugout and it's, you know, in professional baseball, it's different. So um, if you can categorize, I got a general idea and then obviously approach goes into us doing our homework with, with that guy on the other side of the dugout. What's he like to do middle counts? What's he like to do runner score position? Things like that. Coach, the mechanic side of things, when, when you're introing those things, um, how do you balance the, I guess, the level of difficulty and the task when you're teaching those things? Are you exposing them to the fastball machine first? Is it, we're going to go T, then we're going to move up to flips, then we're going to move up to machine? You know, is it, is it exposing them to the worst and then building backwards? How do you kind of balance that to, to get them to, be ready for Pac-12 level pitching. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I, I just believe in the T. Um, I, I believe in slowing everything down. You know, the biggest thing as as levels move up and, and stuff gets better and faster and harder, where decisions have to become later and later. Obviously, strength and then body movements and, and minimizing those, having proper rhythm, but then staying in the box. So, for me, I start with the T. I believe in the T. I believe in the process of the T. I get really mechanical with the T. Um, we do a lot of preset stuff. We do a lot of hold your balance stuff, hold your finish stuff and get the guys to, and, and Joe talked about, I did a, a stick ball TV thing um, with Sheetinger um, a couple weeks ago and we were talking about hitting and Joe Dillon with the Phillies, he had a really great thing and he was talking about manufacturing or creating energy. And I think so many of us do that, particularly at the lower levels where we lack strength uh, or if mechanically we're off. So for us, we want to get him into a good hitting position. And then I just do a lot of stationary T stuff, then move to toss. And, and Kelly, with regards to the machines, those are, for me, when we start fall ball in, in late August, early September, we're, we're probably not getting into a machine until October. Uh, but once we get there, and I, and I feel comfortable with us from a batting practice perspective, you know, New Mexico State in year five, we were firing the machines off in week two. Um, but I big time believe in machines. I think if you're a hitting coach, you should have three of them and they should be firing every day. I think you should be working slow machines, hard machines and spin, and you should be doing it every day. Uh, and that's the one over time where your guys will just get better. But I, I think you got to attack mechanics first. I really do. I think you got to do the best job that you can as a hitting coach to impact the swing path, plane, understanding the body so they could maybe get another two clicks of the ball before they start. Um, which is going to impact obviously their two strike approach, which is obviously got an opportunity to impact their pitch selection, which at the end of the day can now impact their power. During the fall, do you guys do, uh, I'm assuming you're scrimmaging at least some point in there. So how, how do you balance that with, if guys are training more in the T environment, did you maybe hold off on fall scrimmages and those type of things to, to keep them confident in what you were teaching in that mechanic side? Great. Um, no, we went uh, straight mechanics. And then as soon as we got into our, our scrimmages and, you know, guys were getting a ton of at-bats, um, it became entirely about rhythm and approach. And that's all I was talking about. We weren't talking about and didn't talk about the video was shut down. I wasn't breaking it down with guys. I was breaking down their T video or their toss video because we got absolutely destroyed in the fall on a fastball away. It was embarrassing. And, um, and you knew we were going to have problems, but, but our guys over time, we just kept pounding it and Claggett did a great job with, we didn't, we didn't go this side. We didn't go in. 
we really just were, you know what, we're going to get really good at commanding this on the mound. Uh, and we're going to make our hitters have to be able to hit this because we just had a dead pull approach. That's why we struck out so much last year or in, in 19. And um, But over time, guys just got better and better and better. And kudos to Claggett for for enabling us to to also really do that. You know, the hitting coach and the pitching coach, we always have those battles, right, where right. you're trying to get your guys to back the ball up. And then your pitching coach knows that, so he starts pounding your guys in. And you're like, dude, come on, man. we, we got to be a family here, a team here. <laughs> So, and we've all experienced that as hitting guys. Yep. But uh, but over time, I, it really got better with with approach. But to answer your question again, um, as soon as we started playing, really left the mechanics on the back burner, and it just became about rhythm and on time to fastball, and then offensive approach. Coach, I kind of smile when you talk about throw, you know working with your guys on on the outside of the pitch, you know the uh, the plate there. I think it was the story when Bobo was there at WSU. He would, story was you know of course I wasn't there but he'd drive his wife's Cadillac out there between uh, second base and third and tell his guys okay I'm gonna throw we're gonna throw BP and uh, don't hit my wife's car <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah, so, yeah exactly so, uh, that's such oh go ahead go ahead that's such a big deal yeah. yeah go ahead go ahead oh I was gonna say there you know you're talking about doing your tea stuff um and you're and doing your station hitting. Uh, how much is your mental approach you play into that with your preparations of your guys, visualization, seeing the pitch uh, in preparation of working on their, their swing and, the, and their um, velocity of their, their at bat? I think, I think you've got to give, if when we talk about the mental game, um, and I'll give you an example of that because, yeah, I mean, we're big on it, the awareness piece. We hammer awareness, 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 individual awareness, mechanical awareness. Um, spatial awareness because um, we hit that 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 one we hit with our culture training in day one is just just literally your body language mm-hmm. uh, we had guys um, in the summer we did one of these with the team and you know there were guys like this you know and it was just like either a disrespectful or b total lack of awareness but either way that builds into what you're talking about coach with hitting you know you're repeating the same thing over in, in bp four or five times you're rolling over or you're underneath and you're you're pushing it to the off field with the mental game we expect our guys after a couple two or three if it's the same mistake and it's something they've been working on we expect them and and want them to step out and guys will overcook it i mean your freshmen will get out and you know they'll, they'll cross out of the middle of the bat but at least they're working on the process and at least they're understanding awareness of where they are with their swing. So you got to be able to give them that as a coach, like, cause you know, we all want BP tempo, but when their guys do that, you got to go, okay, good job, man. And then I think I sit by the cage or if I'm in the, in the upper cage for the day and I want our other coach to be there, we are all on the same page of, okay, what, what's the key? What are you working on? Okay, good. And then we'll lock in on it. That's the first thing. But, um, the other side of that with the training piece with the mental game is we have routine stations early. Uh, we have their rhythm stations early and we have the red, yellow, green light stuff early. We read heads up baseball. Uh, we read that early in the fall and we go over that early in the fall. We put mirrors uh, in, in back of every net that we hit on the field. We installed mirrors in our batting cage to where there's an entire tunnel is T-based and the mirrors are on this side, so you're always hitting into a mirror. You can see it. Um, and then we have their keys plastered all over the the map, literally. Like, 
we only want one or two keys mechanically for the week, but if it's separation, tilt, posture, balance, whatever it is, um, the coaches know what that is so we can hit the players with that. And if they're not getting it, we expect to see them lock out. Okay, I'm in a yellow. I'm not paying attention. Deep breath, lock back in with some skill acquisition development mindset of let's get back to task. And then we just – we demand it as a coaching staff. It's not about activity. It's about about intensity of, of mind of training. <clears throat> okay, I guess the – I'm going to ask a similar question this later on, but, you know, the talking toward – or this towards the high school coach and how how do you suggest or or a good progression for a high school coach who has such a short period of time because we have basically two weeks three weeks to get in before we get potentially into league play but all three of those keys that you're talking about it's, it's awesome and that's stuff that we like to preach but it's just i don't know if I'm making excuses or not but it just seems like we have such a small period of time to get that done but what's yeah. where would you rank that and and how we what would you recommend high school coaches go after that well, I think you have to attack uh, early and late hitting, and I, and I know that we can't mandate that uh, and, and we can't require it. Um, but the bottom line is, is if, if you want to be a good player and if you want to play, um, I think you can really make an impact as a high school coach that early on you're willing to play the guys that are always at the field hitting early on their own. Um, you can create that culture, you know, and that was something that was really important to us here was, you know, on an off day, uh you know, early on, I, there weren't a lot of guys at the yard and you're going, wait, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> do you want to be a professional baseball player or not? Or, or do you want to be an all league player in high school? Or do you want to get to a junior college D2, D3 division one level? How far do you want to go? And for us with the no regrets philosophy, um, I, I just think the mental meetings are critical. I think motivation is critical on a daily basis because of your compressed time or a high school coach's compressed time. I think you got to go out their heart and try to get them to understand that early and late hitting is the key. And even though you're not watching, your teammates are watching, and the expectation is, is hey, if you're hitting early, um, you're probably placing the needs of the team above your own, and you'll get rewarded at some point, and then we all get the magic lineup card. So um, I think that's probably the fastest way to get it. I think the other way to really get it is uh, is through the social media aspect of group me and sending them uh, mechanics stuff um daily or you know off daily and then uh, having guys do presentations you know in meeting settings so whether you're not countable hours i'm assuming that's the same at the high school level where it's a meeting um and and trying to up their education you know because if we do that then they're motivated the desire might be better but um i think you got to get creative you you know we we all when you've got those short windows you got to get really creative and grabbing their heart i'll be curious to see if there's a difference in, in the, you know, going into the next year where people have lost a year mm-hmm. and exactly what you just talked about, people taking advantage and not wasting a day and how much more we're going to see that with kids this next year. Yeah. But you know, what, what we're talking about with our kids right now is look guys, um, we're, we're not going to, I hate contriving things just for me personally, it, it, you know, cause we're all, we're coaches, we're workers. We want to get after it. If we're not working, we don't feel like we're doing enough. But, you know, sometimes we can really do too much to our kids. And then and then all of a sudden we, they feel like we're disrespecting their time. And that's such a big thing because you lose their trust. Uh, so for us, you know, we're not doing a lot um, of 
mechanical stuff. Now we've got a mechanical one coming next week, but that's only because the last three weeks have been heads up baseball and we've had guys do presentations. So we're, we're getting the mental game stronger just in terms of knowledge. Um, three weeks from now, we're going to bring in a special force green beret guy for motivation. But for us right now, um, it's academics and it's your body. Um, and then it's your one skill. If you, if you weren't separated, um, if you had some lunge, if you had some drift, but it's just one skill. And for me and for us, like you said, coach, hey, if our guys don't come back and their grades don't improve over the next three months or if their bodies don't improve over the next three months, they've made their statement to the team, you know, and to our family. So, you know, with that, they'll face the consequences, I guess, you know. Yeah, coach, talk a little bit about um, that pregame hitting routine and maybe not necessarily pregame, but maybe travel day practice, day before home series practice. Um, how much How much do you go on the, the feel good compared to the challenge of, of BP? Where do you kind of balance those things of preparing guys to be uh, ready for a series? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm, I'm really glad you asked that because it's something I didn't think about that we would talk about. I believe, I mean, and, I, and I'm not pretty passionate about it now. Um, I think you got to start a routine and I think you got to stick with it. That's just, that's what I think. Um, and, and I'll tell you why. Um, so our preparation as coaches, we, we spend a lot of time in our coaching staff retreat and we build our BP. What's our personnel? Who do we want to be? You know, for example, we had a little more execution BP with Washington state this year. We didn't have extent. We didn't have much speed. We didn't have much power. We didn't have a guy who hit 300 coming back. So we knew we were going to have to handle the bat, have it be a good two-strike offside hitting team, um, you know, and be a, a team that was going to fight and compete. So we, we built our BP around that. Um, so only meaning we, we would maybe add in another round of handling the bat. But I just believe you've got to create an execution round, and then you've got to create a, a middle op round, and then you've got to create some freedom rounds. And I think you got to do it every day, and I think you got to start with it in September. I think it's just like your pregame. I think you, you get that started in September. So when you get to the season, our, our guys are so confident and so prepared for BP that then we can get into the really big piece, Coach, of, of I think what you were going with that was using BP instead of BP using us with that feeling good thing. Mm -hmm. If you've got a routine in place and you're doing the same thing every day, just like a pro would, uh, for me, now – You know, I'm going, it's middle op round and then I'm, I'm to the middle and then I'm going to let her rip and go pull side um, in my last round. If you're early, you've got an opportunity to adjust your BP, but you still maintain your approach. So you're making investments in BP because you've had a, a, a routine that's gone on for six months. And then also, I think it gives you and us, the coach, the opportunity to really flip the switch when you need to flip the switch. It seems like it happens every year with me. Whatever what I do, it seems about week three of the spring, uh, I'm screaming at the hitters, and I'm busting out the machine and throwing it about 25 miles an hour and making them hit the ball opposite side down the, down the opposite field line because they're not letting them travel. Everybody's early. And then it's, it seems to be pretty custom that about week seven or six of the season, you go through a funk, your guys are pressing, and they're not comfortable, whatever it is. And that's if you've got the routine, you can go, okay, fellas, today's BP is this. Um, we're going to go offset. I want two rounds on the ground, hard ground balls. I want you to hook. And then I want pull side tanks. 
and, and all of a sudden you created a, a, a rhythm to, to loosen your guys up, but only because you had a, a routine. So you can pull it back or you can push it forward. And I, I think it's really important. So to answer your question, dude, I, I think routine and building one is really, really important. Um, and then it makes the guys lock into what they're doing. And then they can start really utilizing BP for what it's supposed to be, preparing for the game, maintenance, getting better. I love what you talked there about, um, you know, you give them a specific task and, and have them uh, accomplish it, you know, whether it's hitting a ground ball to the second baseman or whatever. Um, I, I know our hit coach, Joey Swanson, works a lot with this about ball manipulation. And I think a lot of you talk about on your own time before, after hit, um, a lot of of what what guys are able to do is based on just hitting a lot we talk all the time about good hitters hit right they hit all the time and and they find a way to be able to nip, manipulate a ball or, or have a feel of hey that ball was low and away i pulled it to the shortstop that didn't feel good or i squared it up i hit it the other way hit it where it's pitched and and that's the way i, I should be able to do it but but giving them that specific goal whether that's top corner of the cage or off the L screen or just given that kind of task of letting your body organize with, with something in mind, it really gives them that feedback of, Hey, this is something that's really good. Or, or maybe this is something that doesn't feel right. And, and it really allows that buy-in process that, Hey, coach is saying is right. And I should be looking at this pitch or trying to do this with, with this pitch because I felt what's right or wrong. Yeah. Great, great point. Um, I learned from Pat Murphy who, Arizona State in the mid-2000s, best offense I've ever seen. Big leaguers all over the yard, but you couldn't strike them out. And anyways, I've had a couple of conversations with, with Coach Murph, and um, you know he taught me a big thing about, about that and about understanding you've got to give your guys the – we have to give our guys the practice to be able to manipulate the ball. And our kids don't swing enough. And we've got to put that – we've got to make them swing more. So that's why, for me, mechanics and then the drills in the fall early. Because when we start BP, if you come out and watch Washington State take batting practice, it's eight stations. Sometimes it might be ten with groups of two. Um, Five-minute clicks. But it's – this station is just tee hard inside. And you're jammed. you got to fight it up the middle. And then it's, okay, take it two more balls out front but it's still got to go six hole, not down the line. Then the next station, we're going to practice two balls off, you know, foot off the ground, two strike fight. Uh, then we're going high tee and then we're going toss or whatever that is. But I think a big piece of that is, is the guys have got to be able to practice manipulating. They've got to be able to practice escape pitches. So I think it's critical in that you build, which that's why I was bringing up the routine part. Let's do it every day. Hard in, Hard off, both are balls, but you get, you're going to be up, have to be able to fight that off. Um, ball up, ball down, spin, soft, velocity, um, and, and you do it every day. And then over time, you, you start to understand really how to handle the bat. Coach, what is one thing that you could tell us um, that you think that high school coaches are missing with their hitters at the high school level? Um, well, I, I know the biggest thing that I tend to work on with the high school hitter coming in uh, two things that are connected, but one, they're either single rhythm and, or two, they don't separate and they, they tend to go hand in hand. I, I, you know, and I understand too, some of us might not have outdoor or indoor cages, you know, some of us, if it's raining out, we might not have the ability to flip a breaking ball and it's, and get repetitions of that every day. 
Um, I think at the high school level, you know, I, I think we all know that um, a lot of times you could get away with, hey, we're just hunting fastball. If we see spin, we're going to spit. Um, and then we'll have to battle with two strikes because not enough guys can spin it for strikes. So therefore, in high school, when they come in, a lot of guys are just, they're on top of the plate. It's a middle-in approach, so their decisions are pretty early. And when they get to college level and the, the spin's better and the change-up's in play, the early decisions happen. So, you know, pretty common to see a high school guy who, who is going to get to play as a freshman. He's going to punch out 30, 40 times, you know, and then the sophomore year it's down to 20, and you know, that ratio is hovering at one-to-one. But I think mechanically – you don't get enough hitters who separate. And I think, I think part of that is they, from a survival standpoint, you don't really have to do it. You can just kind of stay connected and go. And if you see spin, you take it. Um, for me, when they get there, I end up doing a lot with, with separation with guys and just making sure the hands either hold back or we get a little movement up too many guys have dead hands or just, or go forward. That, that's the biggest thing I see. Absolutely, Coach. Well, let's move into a little bit on talk culture. I know that was a really big thing for you coming in to Washington State and building a culture in the program. And what was some of the biggest points of emphasis when you took over at WSU and the culture? Um, I had a chance to listen to uh, Urban Meyer talk the other day um, on, a, on a Zoom, and it was just phenomenal. And he talked and he said this, and, and it's something that's so true, but culture is just, you know, what's it look like? What's it sound like? What's it act like? What's it feel like? It, you know, it's, it's not something you can grab, but you can certainly sense it and feel it. Um, you know, for us, um, I just place a huge emphasis on it. I just, I think it goes into just what do you want your program to be about? And for me, um, you know, I, I want to fill the stands at Washington State. I, I want to fundraise at a high level. I want us to be a national program where people are paying attention to us. I want us to be on television. And the only reason, the only way we're going to do that is obviously to win games, but how do you win games earlier? Um, you do with good people. So for us, from a culture perspective, um, you know, we, we do as much intentionality with it as possible. I mean, we have 12 days um, that we call culture training. We don't get on the field. Um, it's a little over the top, but, um, and I'll go over it with you, but, uh, but it's all based on, look, you're going to place the needs of the team above your own. Um, and then we're going to talk about you as a person. We're going to talk about family. We're going to get vulnerable. We're going to understand that your responsibility as a player on this team is to make Washington State a better place. And then you're going to understand that if you want anything in life, you've got to go out and earn it. And by earning people in the stands, that means be a good person. That means, that means be a good student. That means get out with Special Olympics. That means get out in the community. Um, means be good on social media. That means meet the professor. I mean, these are all things that we do. Um, so we're just very intentional with it. I just, and I do that again. I just, I think it's how you win baseball games because now we're into, if, if, if you do that and we get buy-in, well now when we get to the field, we have a good dugout. And if we have a good dugout, we're probably going to have a pretty competitive team. So I just think it all builds into that. Um, but again, it starts with your coaching staff, with the hires um, of, of having good people. Uh, that buy into that. And, and if they're not familiar with it, it's our job or responsibility uh, as a head coach. Number one, the head, every assistant coach on the, in the program and your training staff member and your compliance member and your strength coach, they should be able to spit out what the GOKUGS acronym is, what our core characteristics are. They should be able to spit out what the three pillars of the program are as a coaching staff 
or they should be able to spit out what the team rules, the three, what are the three rules of the team about? Um, all those things that I just mentioned, we, we have guys have to come up and give presentations on it. Uh, they have to take quizzes. Um, I'll surprise them with it. Uh, we take an oath to the team. We bring in outside consultants. I mean, it's, it's a barrage. But I think the cool part of that question and how do you get it is, is in recruiting. And it's not the sell. Um, and obviously, if you're at the high school level, you know, there's not recruiting, but it's, you're still going to have a reputation of what your program is about. And that's the same thing with us is when we recruit, you know, we have a, a PowerPoint presentation and it's entirely about, hey, who, here's who we are. So if you're in the family, uh, if you're if you're not afraid to cry, get vulnerable, uh, uh, work with Special Olympics. Uh, and if you're not if you're OK with me pounding you on your body language. Uh, and, and talking about person first player second. And then if you want to be a professional baseball player, this is the right program for you. And, and if you, if it's all about that locker room or, you know, six sets of unis, even though we have those, but they just don't sell it, you know? Um, I just really, I think recruits will find you. And I think players will find you as long as they know what the program is about. The biggest mistake that we all make as coaches is we sell and sell and sell and sell to get the kid. Um, but we sold him or we tricked him. And it's his decision that he's going to choose us based on who we are about. So then when he gets there, he's already ready for it. He's ready for the oath. He's ready for go Cougs. He's ready to get vulnerable. He's ready for the safe circle. So, and, the, and you know, I've got kids in the recruiting process right now, you know, that they're getting ahead on heads up baseball because they know that's what we're about because we've told them that in the recruiting process. So um, I know I got long-winded there. It's, it's something I'm really passionate about, but I just think when it comes to culture, if it's important to you, I think you got to be really intentional with it, and then I think you've got to keep it alive all the time. Put it in the dugout. Put it in your hitting facility. Send it out on group me, your, your, your core values, your core characteristics. The worst organizations when you read in business, right, we, we have the first team meeting or the AD comes in, not ours, but, or, you know, the president of the corporation comes in and he goes, hey, here's our three core values. Take a look at those. All right, you guys have a great day. And then you never revisit them again. They're not important. Absolutely. You know, that, and that's, you know, coming from a very small high school aspect, and we don't always have the best, you know, the Willies and the Joes and the best guys they're going to get you. But if I've come to notice that if you can build that, you can take a below par, you know, what would be on the Stabbuck team, and you can go beat some teams just on the fact that your guys are they know how to work they know respect and they know what it takes to just be a, a team a unity well and i mean right that's what we all that's why we're baseball coaches that's why it's the best sport to coach because you can have a bunch of grinders and go beat somebody and that's what's so great you know uh in football you know if you're a lineman and you're in your 6 8 300 going against 510 180 it's gonna be a rough day and, but in baseball, I mean, we can, the guy's 94, we can get back in the box and we can choke up on the bat and, uh, and we can have a great dugout and have better energy than the opposing team. And, and that's, and we've all been a part of those teams who overachieved. And that's what obviously we're trying to build that on a daily basis is let's get guys to overachieve, believe in, and want to do well for the university and school. So, um, yeah, that's why I put so much emphasis on it because UCLA is really up that year on the, on the mound we've got good culture and then we'll step in the box and we'll fight, you know? And, and, um, and if you don't, then you're at the mercy of your talent 
And, uh, and that's not what I want to be about. You know, uh, one of the reasons I'm so bummed about this shutdown is we tried and we have a lot of cool new things planned for this year and this year's team. But what are some of the things like my earlier question of, you know, we got, we got three weeks to get this team built and the, you know, we're not allowed to be with our guys and, you know, from the month of August till March. So is there any suggestions that you would give to the, the high school programs around that are trying to do this, that, but, but we have such a short period of time to get it done? Yeah, I think team building, if it were me and I was a high school coach and I had a really short window, uh, team building would be massive. Uh, I would have some version of kind of the things that I talked about. Um, I would have a, a, an acronym or uh, the core values or the core characteristics. Um, depending on your leadership, you know, if you've got a really good team of kids that you believe in or you've been around a long time, let them make it up and send it to you. Um, if you, if you've got a new group or you're a new coach, um, have it be yours and then it'll evolve into what the players, and then you'll come together on it this year. Obviously our core values were the coaching staff. Look, this is what we're going going to be about, but moving forward, that's going to change. You know, our leadership council will, will move that, but, um, and we have, we take an oath that you have to scream at the top of your lungs, coaches too, strength coach, everybody, uh, you know, guys end up ripping your shirts off and you, I mean, you, you <laughs> you're screaming at the top of your lungs, you get sick the next day because you've expended so much energy. <laughs> but I think those types of team builders um, can really speed up your, your culture of coming together and your belief. Because all you want to do as a high school coach, all we want to do is, is just come together as quickly as we can, and we don't have much time to build it. So I think the off the field and the preseason stuff, if you can put that in their hands and get them ready for it. And then I think also if you've, if you've got the opportunity to do it, create a leadership council. Uh, where they can group me and they can meet with people uh, where you're not doing that. And it gives, gives, you've got an opportunity to develop a little bit of leadership, but you've also got an opportunity to get some communication going with the team uh, before you guys get together. Cause hopefully all you're trying to do is just get ahead of that before you get started. For sure, coach. Uh, you know, I think, you know, um, culture and everything is a, is a hundred percent a reflection of the guy on top, the manager of the team and, you know, you, you see more evitable in high school programs um, because a lot of the programs, especially at Tri-City Prep, we don't have a big budget. We don't have a designated people to work on our field. And so I think when you take a lot of big pride in your program, your your players not only see that, but they want to, you know, replicate that. And so I was going to transition a little bit into recruiting here. How does that cultural um, and when you're looking for, I mean, of course, you're looking for the top guys in, in the in the country, but what else are you not only looking on the athletic side of it, but what else is um, a big component component there in your recruiting process when you're looking at your uh, potential recruits? Yeah. Um, well, we've, we've got a, a tremendous coaching staff. Um, recruiting is obviously everything. Um, we put as a major emphasis on the visit. Um, and I, I'm involved with every kid. When they come to campus, I'm a little bit of an enigma as a head coach. Um, you know, I'll spend five hours with families. Um, but but that's when they leave. Let's make sure that this is a, you know, rocket. You know, if, if Coach Davis is like, hey, man, this guy's makeup is off the charts and I'm on the phone with them and, and I've met the family and all that, then great. But we put a heavy premium uh, emphasis on the family. Uh, we do recruit mom and dad. Uh, we don't believe in recruiting four years out. And that's not because we're not at a spot to do it there's just too many opportunities for mistakes and you're over recruiting mom and dad. You know, you're going to need to know that the kid a little bit. I mean, we've all met great parents and then the kids never come out of their shell. Um, 
but I think you've just got to evaluate uh, the person and his ability to communicate. Um, you ask him questions on the visit. I spend a ton of time with him. Coach Davis spends a ton of time with him beforehand. And we just place a real premium on leadership and confidence and, and how they communicate. I mean, look, if honestly, if a kid's, if a kid comes to campus and with me saying that a lot of times, um, we haven't, we don't have an offer on the table, uh, to a kid until he comes to campus and Pullman can be challenging to get to, but we still feel it's really important to meet with them. You know, if a kid comes to campus and, and mom and dad are doing all the talking and his body language is slouched or he's disinterested, it's probably not going to work because there's a lack of respect there. Um, and a lot of times I'll bring that up in the visit early. And then if, if you see an adjustment, then okay, cool. And if not, then you know that you may have a character flaw. So um, we just place a really big emphasis on, on mom and dad and then on the visit. Um, and then the third thing, like I said, was with regards to the, the official visit or the presentation, we, we I'm very upfront with the kids about this is who we are. You've got to know this. I'm going to pound you. We are going to pound you on your body language in team meetings. We're going to pound you on how you talk to people in an elevator. It's really, really important. And, um, and the kids who are drawn to that end up coming and then we're in alignment. And that's all really we're trying to do. You know, that conflict so many times can occur because the coaching staffs or the recruiting staffs don't do a good enough job in the recruiting process. It just becomes, like I said, it's all about the talent. And obviously we got to have talent. But there are plenty of players with talent and those makeup issues off the field. So um, I just think you got to be stingy and you got to make sure that you don't you don't cave because um, eventually you're going to you're going to come out on top and we're going to come out on top. And I, and I really believe that. So um, visit, communicate, head coach involvement and then uh, the presentation piece, what you're selling. Make sure those kids know what your values are. Um, you know, our first rule of our program is tell the truth. So I pound them with that. Hey, I'm going to tell you the truth right now. And when you come here, it's going to be the truth. And I expect the same from you in the recruiting process. I was going to also add to that. How, how important is your community involvement there in the city of Pullman? I, I see a lot of stuff on Twitter and you guys do a lot of stuff that you were mentioned with the Boys and Girls Club and that kind of stuff with your players. How, how important that is to the culture of your team? It's huge. And you know, there, there's, there's a lot of, of spokes that go off with that, um, you know, from the, the community perspective. Um, we want people in the stands. And I tell our kids all the time, if you want something in life, go earn it. Well, how do you earn support? You earn support by earning support. So uh, we get out and we, yeah, I mean, we rang the bells. I, I remember calling Salvation Army and say, hey, do you, can we ring the bell? And they're like, I've never anyone called me for that. I was like, can we do it? Yeah. So we told the team, hey, do you want to do this? You can. So all of our – and we were out there in baseball uniforms ringing the bell for Christmas. It was great. And we got a chance to meet a bunch of people in the community, and that excited them. Special Olympics, uh, first day of classes, meet the professor campaign. Kids have to send me a picture with their professor. Uh, and then I tweeted out, and we, we bridged the academic and athletic communities. Um, but, but more importantly, I just think that stuff makes you a better person. I think it, I think it makes you or gives you an understanding that it's not about you. It's not about me. We're all replaceable. We're all expendable. We are just, Brian Green is just happens to be this, this guy sitting in the seat right now, but the seat is Washington state university baseball head coach. The seats are the assistant coaches, the seats are the players. We're all expendable. 
And I think the, the more we do that community stuff, I think the more of a sense that we get that, man, it's a big deal to be a Coug. It's, it's an honor. Um, and in a town like this, as you guys know, being up here, I mean, it's a big deal up here, you know, to, to be a Coug is a tiny little small college town. It's really awesome. So, um, but it's a massive part of our culture deal. Cause I think it makes you a better person when you've got to push a, a kid in a wheelchair and I say, get to push a kid in a wheelchair. That's a life-changing event. And you mean a lot to that kid who's in the wheelchair when you're wearing your Coug baseball shirt. If you came in in a suit and tie, you'd just be some dude in a suit and tie. Um, and I really think it gives the guys an opportunity to understand that we've got a responsibility here to be, to be good citizens and to be good people. Um, again, I think if you get that, you got a chance to become a better player because you're a good person. You respect the game, you respect your teammate, respect the program. And if you have those things, man, you, your development can shoot up. Yeah, I think I think the main thing you hit on there, Coach, just how fortunate we are to to be in the positions that we are. Um, yeah. and, and and I think as a player, we could break down the numbers of just how small uh, the percentages are of, of of high school players that go on to play uh, college baseball and then college baseball at the Pac-12 level. I mean, that's such a rare thing um, that, that it's really easy to take for granted because you you think about all the other stuff you do off the field, all my on your own hitting time, all my practice time, all the culture building time. I mean, it, it can, it can turn into the half twos and, uh, and whatnot, but, but I think little things like that, that, that allow you to, to put yourself in a spot where, man, I, I'm, I could really step back and, and be where my feet are right now and, and really take how cool opportunity it is to be a, a Washington state Coug baseball player. Yeah. And, 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 and then trying to prepare them for uh, the interview, you know, and trying to prepare them for life. Um, hey, look, you, you've got to do everything right all the time. There's always a guy next to you ready and more prepared than you. And you've got to be half scared that somebody's going to take your job. I, I know I am. And that's why I just take that approach of make Washington State University a better place. Uh, that's why I promote right now. That's, that's, that's my job. But I just try to really get that into the kids uh, in the showcase environment that we're all in. Everybody plays. Uh, everybody's told how great they are. Um, you know, and, and then as you continue to move up levels, there's just more competition. So um, we just really try to instill that in them as a program early um, that, that your, your life experience can be taken away at any point. And the more that we can set into this is awesome and how much this is – I'm so fortunate to be able to do this then we get the energy positive thing, which is one of our core characteristics, which again impacts the culture. But um, again, I just think those things are critical. It's, it's our responsibility as coaches, no matter what level, I think we got to pound that. Kind of segues a little bit there. You hit on, uh, you know, someone waiting for your job and whatnot. Now that, now that this COVID shutdown has happened, I know about a week ago we had the division one ruling of, of rosters and things that you can do. Um, how are you handling all those things? You know, I know there's a lot more pressure put on us because now we got more kids to manage, more life decisions to try to manage with with guys. How are how are you kind of holding up in that process? And 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 what's what's it going to look like come next fall for you guys? Well, great question. I know we're just in a holding pattern right now. Um, again, with our kids, is hey, do great in the classroom and do great in the weight room because right now that's really all you have. So in two months when you turn in your transcript, your grades, and you take that picture of where you are with your body and working out. And I mean, it's, and I, I'm telling our kids this all the time. So um, I, I'm 
working out like a madman because I, I said it too. So I've got to be able to, to do the same thing to them. But, um, and I had to work out like a madman cause I was, my wife's making banana bread and brownies. <laughs> and <all this. laughs> We're having some problems here. <laughs> but, uh, um, no, but you know, coach right now, because of the, the potential one-time transfer rule probably going to happen because we haven't come out with at the college level of what is the roster expansion limit? Is there going to be a limit? You know, we're really fortunate here um, just with that piece that we only had two seniors. Um, and when I just say that, that, you know, so there's only two seniors, so we don't have a massive roster right now, but obviously we're not going to be at 35. I mean, you've just taken the draft probably to five rounds, 10 at the most. Um, we've just eliminated 30 rounds of draft, you know, and we've got honestly a lot of players in that 10 to 12, 20, 10 to 20 round draft range at the high school and junior college level that are probably all coming to the school now. Awesome. But, then there's some, you know, but then obviously there's some conversations that are going to have to be had. So for us, um, I'm just reminding our current players and our recruits do everything right. Be a good citizen, be a good student and take care of your body and work on your game. And then in two months, when we, the dust settles, put yourself in the best position um, to take care of yourself just in terms of your opportunity. But I know the NC2A with, with granting everyone the extra year, which was surprising, and it was awesome. Uh, they really want to do the right thing for the student athlete. And, uh, and I think we all know that that's probably going to come with one-time transfer exception. Uh, and then probably some version of, you know, a roster expansion or expanded roster for at least a year. Um, but we're in a holding pattern and I'm just trying to tell our kids, make my job really hard. Yeah. And I think that's the tough thing too, with, with everyone getting that year back. I know for us, it's starting to have the conversations of, are you going to maybe use this? And then we dive into recruiting and you're building classes at least a couple of years. You know, you say not four years out, but probably within a couple of years span, you're, you're planning out while not knowing as my sophomore or junior guy is going to be back, you know, is the draft going to stay this way to where now I'm holding on to more guys in the future? You know, do I have to start changing my model? And, and I think you said it best. It's, it's kind of wait and see and, and yes. do the best you are you can do right now. And, and when, we get more clarity, then we can start making those tough decisions. But uh, it's it's good to start thinking on that process line. But um, at the same time, until something's you know dead set in stone, it's it's kind of impossible to know exactly what might happen and, and how you're going to handle that situation. Yeah, no question. All right, Coach, we, we're going to wrap this up with one more question for you. And, and super excited about you joining us today. But let's talk a little bit before we go about the project back to Omaha. And I know I've seen everything on uh, on social media and the website and, and how cool it's going to look. And just talk to us about how that's going. Well, the unbelievable story. Uh, I, I walked into the locker to the, uh, to the interview room um, and there were all these pictures up of this new facility. And I had heard that a new facility was coming in. But when I, when I came up for the job, I didn't know that this was, you know, set in stone or done. I just knew, hey, this is Washington State. Uh, it's the pack. They've won before. It's just been a while. And we just came from New Mexico State, and there were pretty limited resources. And give me a first-rounder there next year. Um, so I walk in, and I see these pictures. And then, you know, you start getting the story and, um, you know, going from Marty to Donnie 
and, and to the two previous head coaches and then to the administration and, and all the boosters. I mean, this has been an unbelievable like team group effort that's like taken like 10 years. Um, you know, our kids currently right now walk from the football stadium over the baseball field and they do it sometimes when it's raining or in snow. And there's those other factors like you don't see your kids every day, you know, because we're in our office. We're going to get a chance to see our kids every day. They're going to walk through the, the, the gate and walk into the building next to our office. So there's culture. Hey, come on in, take a seat. Uh, we've got a team room. But um, I know how fortunate we know how fortunate we are that we walked into this thing. Uh, it blew up recruiting. You know, we've got four of the top 10 players in the state. We've got the number five ranked junior college class in the country signed up right now. Um, so we're really recruiting was very much impacted with it. And then uh, the frames are up. Um, I drive over there. They're still working on pieces of it. I know we're getting we're getting close uh, to the frame being put up, but it's not entirely up yet. Um, Completion middle of October to late October. Uh, we have got our right now. Hopefully, it stays the same. We've got our. Uh, it's a football weekend. It'll be an alumni weekend, and then we'll have the dedication, the ribbon cut ceremony. So it's got a chance. To, we got a chance to have heavy traffic cutting that tape and going on in, and it'll be during the fall we're practicing. Um, but it's got uh, coaches' offices, team room, locker room classroom set for 50 uh nutrition lounge and bar uh equipment room with all the nike stuff in there concessions uh the weight room is incredible it's got uh six racks it's got plyo and med balls for training in there uh it'll even have bases and a tiny little infield where if we've got weather and you don't want to go over to the barn let's just stand here and work on your double plays or let's work on some wall ball or some infield stuff or some tea stuff it's a one-stop shop, you know, it's a 10 plus million deal and, uh, and it'll be done. Uh, our first recruiting class is going to be into it. So huge impact. It, pl it puts us on the map, level playing field with the statement of value to, to the Huskies and the Ducks and the Beavs. And um, I mean, it was, I know how lucky I am to be walking into that. It's, it's, it's going to be big league, big time. That's awesome. That's going to be a heck of a good weekend to be in Pullman when that ribbon cutting. Yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be walking on air. Yeah. <laughs> I doubt I'll coach that weekend. I might be <laughs> might be enjoying ourselves a little little much that one. Hundred percent, absolutely. Well, coach, thank you so much. And and if anybody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way to to get a hold of you? Yeah, Twitter is uh, obviously my my big. I try to get Instagram and and, and Facebook, but uh, Twitter, uh, Coach Brian Green, um, is what I'm on and uh, DM me. I'll get back to you. Uh, you can also email me at b.green at wsu.edu. I'll get back to you. It might take a while, uh, but I will get back to you. Uh, um, and uh, that's really important. We're getting a ton of emails right now, but, but please reach out with questions. Um, we're, we're trying to do as much as we can right now on the social media front with the coaching perspective. This is awesome, guys. I love doing this. Uh, anytime you guys want any other, anybody else from our staff, Clag with pitching, TD with recruiting, Bergie with infield play, please let me know. Uh, we'd love to get them on as well. And as much as we can get out into the Northwest and be a part of it, we're going to do that. And, uh, and really appreciate the opportunity, Eric and, and coaches. It was, it was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. I know it's kind of helping get through this little void of a spring without baseball. So yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah, and it keeps me out of the kitchen. Absolutely. I have the same problem there too. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you coach and best of luck. And hopefully we get back and stay healthy and, and, cool. uh, We'll be back with uh, Kelly and Jason to wrap this thing up. All right. All right. We're in the bullpen. Let's uh, wrap this thing up and close this thing out. Jason, you want to lead off? 
Yeah, guys, I think to, that, hey, it was it was a special today having Coach Green with us. And yeah, I, I'll tell you what, I really love the guy's excitement and, uh, um, you know, his passion for changing the culture at WSU and what he's going to do. And I, I can see it with the strides that he's making. I, I can see him being very, very successful up there in Pullman and, and totally changing that that direction for forever, uh, which is great. So, um, you know, I, I think today I kind of take away about the, the family and the culture aspect. I think a lot about, um, you know, we were talking a little bit about fair, you know, in 2018 when we, you know, beat Clam uh, in the state semifinals to go to, to play the state championship game against Brewster. Uh, the night before we had uh, got our um, team together and, and just had a kind of a team meeting. And, and I took the time to go around to every player in, in that roster. We carried 23 guys on that varsity roster that year and tell them what they meant to me as an, as an individual. And as also what they meant to the program. And, and that, that was a real special time because we got to see not only that take place, but also some of our players opened up, talked about what other players meant to them and their success, you know? And, and I think, when you can drive that culture with your team, man, it, it, it's magic, you know, and each, and each guy knows his role. Um, you know, you, you can be very successful with that, you know, and, and I really believe that, you know, you, you collect enough pennies, you're going to have a dollar. What I mean by that, you, you, if you're going to be, if you're driven enough, you're going to be successful. And so I, I think that, you know, what I take today and, and I think for a lot of us coaches can take in is that, Hey, if, if you want, to set a presence, you know, in your program, if at the high school level or at the college level, or even down to middle school and literally you can do that just by your actions, you know, um, the, the, you know, what you say and what you live. I, I, I truly believe that, you know, you live out with what you speak, you know, and I see that with coach green and I, it's pretty exciting to see where uh, the direction of WSU is going and will go in, in the future. here. You know, in the, however many years I've been coach and the years that we've had the most successful seasons weren't always the most talented or collective group of talent that we've ever had. And it's, it's that stuff. It's because we tried to preach the, the, the little things of culture and the teams that had the unity and, and the were togetherness and, and believed in doing things the right way. The guys that would pick up the garbage without me having to tell them to do it. Those are the teams that won. And the team that didn't, the, uh, you know, we had one that didn't even make the district tournament recently. And, and, we wouldn't do those little things. And it was, you know, I took blame for it because I wasn't, it starts at the top, like he said. And I, that's like I, I mentioned earlier that that's one thing I was bummed because we did have a couple new things on the docket to try this year and get kids in, in a, in a cohesive group and, and just trying to create. I and mean, the other day I had a guy who's going to be a state patrolman. That was one of the first teams I coached and he was being the personal, he was, you know, he was being a guard for someone really important. And I thought that's so cool. And the guys that I'm reaching out and that are reaching out that are being successful in their lives. I think that's the most rewarding thing out of all this. And, and I think that coach is uh, I'm really excited to see how he does there at WSU because you're doing, you got your core beliefs and your core basics of baseball and being a good person. It's awesome. And I hope they start winning. And uh, you know, I'm excited to see that project though at the end too. I might have to get down to that football game when they have the big opening that day. Yeah, I think I think a lot of what you guys talk about is is uh, individuals with, within a team just knowing their their role um, and how important they are to the greater good of the team. 
and we've heard that a lot. We've, we've been doing this for, I don't know, 10 plus episodes now, I believe. And, um, everyone we've talked to so far is just talking about your role might not be the one that you want. You know, I think coach Calhoun at Biola talked about guys being a charter for catchers. I mean, no one envisions that there's no high school athlete in, in America that says, I want to be a, a catching charting guy when I get to college. Um, but at the end of the day, you, you realize the process that goes into things. And, and it's not necessarily like you have to earn your keep. I, I don't think that's the right way to, to put it, but, but each team's a little bit different. And, and knowing that when my opportunity comes, I'm going to be prepared because I've been through this opportunity or through this process of, of learning throughout the time and the culture and, and from the players above me and around me. Um, it really makes it that much more impactful when you finally break through um, and, and have a role that, that you're really proud of and, and, and know that it can go away at any point in time. We talk about being where your feet are at and really being appreciative of everything that's given to you. Um, you might be the setup guy in the bullpen and get to throw to a couple batters every weekend, maybe every other weekend, but knowing that this is helping out my team as a whole to be better uh, is the most important thing. You know, and I think a, a guy like Coach Green really takes pride in, in each of his players and, and the roles and the things that they do and the things that they bring with them to their program. But there's so much more that goes into the process of, of being a collegiate athlete than, than putting on the uniform and going out and playing the game with, with your sheer talent and ability. Um, and when you can accept that it's something greater than yourself as an individual, it's, it's amazing what you can accomplish for yourself. Um, not only in sport, but in life, um, but also for your teammates around you and understanding the relationships and the things that you're building throughout this process is going to make you a, a better human being once you graduate. And then the memories and stuff with playing and, and maybe getting through adversity, whether as a team or as an individual, is going to fuel you for the rest of the life of your life. And, you know, I think it's the situation we're in right now. And I was talking to someone about how the game of baseball has, has helped us prepare for a situation like this. It's not that we want to be in this situation by any, any, um, any means, but you know, this is the challenge I'm in. This is what I'm facing right now. You know, how do I, how do I handle this right now? I can, I can be down in the dumps or I can find a way to be better or get better and, and just have that positive mindset knowing that it's going to break through at some point in time and, and I'm going to be better for it in the long run. You know, Kelly, that's so true. Um, I think about my first year at Corbin, you know, I was the third string catcher and I got a lot of bullpens, but you know, my job was to get those catchers ready and I took a lot of pride in that. And I, I wanted to be the best, best freaking bullpen catcher in the nation, you know, and because I knew if I could get those pitchers ready to take the build, they can throw more strikes and get more outs, you know, and we get off the field and win more games, you know, and I, I think a lot of the wire, I, I really enjoy the game of chess because, you know, you, you, when you put your, your pieces on, up on the table, you know, each, each person, each piece on that chessboard plays a different role, you know, in, in order, you know, sometimes you, you got your pawns and stuff and your two moves and you're out and you, know, you got your Bishop, it takes out a, you know, another horseman or something like that to set up a position for that checkmate to conquer your opponent. And I think that, you know, if when we know our roles, you know, and we take pride in our roles, man, you're going to win a lot. You're going to be super successful. And I think if we can all, you know, you know, take that, um, what 
you know, green stock come out and apply that. And if we are great, keep doing it. Um, man, we're going to have some successful baseball teams and, and uh, some really good uh, ball players out there for sure. My last tidbit on what you guys just said is when people say they want to go out and play baseball and have fun, what you just described is fun. That's fun to me. And it's not because, you know, we're, you know, you know, feel good, what not talking to everybody. No, it's because everybody has a purpose and you're having fun with your buddies and you're all on the same goal. And you're right. You get on the same goal and eventually you're going to win some games. And uh, that that's, that's fun to me. That's, that's the part that I'm missing the most right now with this shutdown is not being able to go out there and have a team and be a part of something greater than, you know, like he said, he's sitting in the chair of WSU baseball and it's about creating a program and a tradition and leaving the place better than you found it. And that's how I look at things at Kittitas. I'm looking to make sure we do better and have a lot of fun doing it and teach people how to do things the right way. Amen. Well, that wraps it up this week. Check us out on Facebook at Pacific Northwest Fungo Banter on Twitter at Fungo Banter PNW. Uh, We're on Apple iTunes. Uh, pod, Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Google Podcasts. Get on there, rate us, give us a comment. Let us know how we're doing, and and we like to hear from you. And, and reach out to us on all social media, and we'll 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 get back to you. And until next time, get healthy, stay healthy, take care of one another. Let's get back to baseball. <laughs>